to the Pitched Industries podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome back to another episode of the Pitched Industries podcast. My name's Nick White, and on today's episode, I'm going to be having a conversation with Ian Much. Ian is an extremely talented artist who is currently living in southwestern Australia. His artwork has travelled around the globe and has been featured by numerous publications, including Oyster and Transworld. On today's episode, Ian gives heaps of helpful advice for artists starting out today. He talks about how he pitches his work to clients, the importance of valuing your own work, and so much more. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this conversation, so let's get straight into it. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Look, I'm stoked to have the opportunity to chat with you today and have heaps of things I'd like to discuss. But for now, let's just start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about how it all started for you. And has drawing always been a big part of your life? Yeah, look, absolutely. Always really had a pencil or pen in the hand. I was actually born in in South Africa and I lived in Namibia until I was about six. Um, I mean, that was a great start because growing up, doing lots of camping and, you know, the trips through the through the, the landscape um, and just traveling a lot, uh, you know, the wild animals and patterns and textures, and that kind of thing always really influenced me. And my parents loved nature. Um, you know, they encouraged my sister and I to always do something creative, yeah. like playing outside and, and drawing and making stuff. Um, and I guess even toys and puzzles and Lego and those kind of activities. And then drawing was just sort of an offshoot from there. Yeah. Um, uh, and also my grandparents, they lived on a banana farm and our family and, and cousins and other relatives used to visit. And, you know, we'd always be encouraged to, to draw and do those creative things around the place. Yeah. And then I'd see characters and stuff out in the storybooks and, and just, again, all those things, you know, from Africa in those early days. Even Disney. I've still got an old drawing book from Disney and yep. it's in pieces today, but, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah, it's always been a big, big part of my life. And I guess even when I got older, after we moved to Australia, which was around, uh, around seven, um, you know, I just started really discovering logos and typography and packaging not really um, uh, knowing it at the time because, you know, you're too young to sort of understand branding and stuff. But yeah. I guess I was just really being influenced by all those sort of visuals, you know. And then and then I started skateboarding and uh, and that was it for me, you know, all those rad things like deck graphics and T-shirts and stickers. Yeah. And then drawing and mimicking all those kinds of things. Um, you know, it was so much fun. And obviously with skating too, you're getting creative with trying tricks and just writing lines and, and doing those sort of, you know, your own things, really. Um, and I lived in Victoria, so kind of never never wrote graffiti and ran with crews because I was always more rural-based in the country. Yep. But we'd do trips out to Melbourne, and even at a young age, I really took note of that and all the colour and the expression going on with that culture and sort of being influenced by, by that and then music and, you know, all those other things growing up with film and TV and, and that kind of thing. I guess all those things really going on in my head at the time to, to what started it for me and, and drawing lots. Yeah. Did you study art? I did, yeah. I went to, um, I mean, obviously art at school, you know, doing the usual uh, sort of Australian curriculum. And then after that, uh, I went straight into uh, School of Design in Perth uh, yep. at Curtin. And, and that was great too. Uh, you know, that sort of really was a stepping stone to um, kind of knowing more about uh, industry-related, well, I guess commercial art in, in a sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was definitely a, um, a learning curve, literally, you know, just, uh, sort of extra learning and then I, I ended up scoring a couple of early jobs in, in the design world as well yeah. so um, you know that all helped out as well Where do you draw inspiration from with your works? Um, well definitely those things uh, you know from early life in terms of nature and the landscape and for me it's also about uh, I guess just those everyday 
things that might happen. You know, you, you're down at the pub one night with some mates and you hear stories and just funny stuff along the way. And I guess it's almost like, um, you know, lowbrow poetry in a, in a sense, you know, just funny words or, or comments or just things like that. And they all, they all sort of um, go hand in hand with the the other things growing up, like the, the Mad Magazine and, and just comics and, you know, things like that. So I guess inspiration can really come from anywhere. For me right now, it's definitely nature. Uh, and also yeah. my kids in terms of doing more sort of um, children's illustrations and um, sort of really kind of whimsical, quirky stuff. So I wanted to talk now about King Brown Magazine, which you are a co-owner of. Can you talk a little bit about the story behind getting that started and maybe a few things you've learnt along the way with that process? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, King Brown was, I mean, it's basically a, a magazine. It's a publication. A friend, Yock, and I started just after uni. Um, you know, Yock, Yock was a year, a year above me and um, basically we just had uh, sort of similar contacts and then he really blew up in, in terms of doing more street art and that kind of thing. And for yeah. me, it was about the uh, the design and, and more of the sort of, I guess, uh, the layout side of things. So hand in hand, we went went really well. And um, so, yeah, so just after uni, we'd feature artists from around the world and Australia. And um, yeah, producing that mag was, was just a really good learning curve too. And self-publishing and travel, traveling and, and designing content. I mean, really, it's from some of the best sort of street mural contemporary artists around. So I guess, you know, that, that was really awesome to see and, and learn from that, just gathering all this content from, from some of the best guys in the world and then putting that together. And really for us, it was, you know, coming straight out of tertiary, it was, it was about starting something, you know, doing your own project. And at the time it was, you know, you did sort of a skateboard brand or maybe T-shirt graphics or something like that. And for us, we chose to do a magazine. It just seemed right to feature all our friends and, and really, um, you know, push that visual, visual realm. Yeah, yeah. So is that magazine still currently being produced? Yeah, well, it's still going, although we are in discussions because we're so busy doing yeah. our own, you know, sort of side projects. We've sort of tinkered with the idea of up to, uh, what have we got, 10 issues. Yep. And, um, you know, we've sort of had some back and forth on issue 11. But uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's over, but at the same time, we're just really flat out doing our own thing. And, and you know, maybe that was part of the magazine, really helping us learn and, and travel and, and build greater networks. And now we've sort of done that. I don't know. I guess it's a, it's a bit of nostalgia and it was always a side project too. So, Yeah, you know. life gets in the way um, a lot of the time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been, it's been cool and uh, who knows? I, I never say never. So, yeah, King Brown may still uh, have another issue or two left in it. So moving back now to your personal work, how do you go about pitching your work to clients and are there any tips you could give our listeners about doing that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, like I said before, with the, the sort of uh, the twofold approach, um, it depends on what, what the sort of work is from a client. Um, and what I mean by that is, again, sort of breaking down a brief, if there is one. You know, just having a really good discussion with the client and then creating sketches first to get a feel for the direction and, and things like that. And then when I actually pitch concepts, I'll probably talk about why I've chosen a certain theme or a color palette or a layout, um, you know, like for a mural. The artwork concept might be influenced by the shape of the wall or, or the surrounding landscape and the environment, yeah. you know, where it's going to act be painted. And if it's for a corporate client, I'll take into consideration some of those extra things like their existing brand values and, and all that sort of stuff. I guess really, you know, without getting to advertising with it, it is really what I learned at uni as well. So, you know, all those skills kind of come into play when I'm pitching to clients. I'm sort of lucky as well at the moment that requests 
uh, are mostly coming from people who are already familiar with my art style. And that's a bonus. I guess that's something you, you like to work up towards, you know. And it's more a case of, of discussing what sort of theme or artwork they've seen of mine, you know, and what they're yeah. thinking they'd like to commission. So, you know, whether it's something of mine that they've seen that's nature-based or, or real character style or maybe a mix of both, you know. And if it's not in line with my style or if I'm not confident I'm the right artist for the job, I'll be the first to sort of, you know, put my hand up and just suggest someone else or, or just flag that idea with them, you know. So it's just all that discussion and just, you know, having a real good sort of um, chat to the client. Yeah, what's the most challenging brief you've ever been given and how did you go about overcoming any fears or doubts in your own work, which you might have had at the time? Um, yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head, actually, but there's definitely a few that have sort of come across the studio that are um, that are challenging. I mean, maybe maybe all of them are, in a sense. When you first get it, it's always like, oh, well, how am I going to approach this, you know? And, yeah. and again, I guess it's just having that chat with the client to get comfortable and, and get the vibe, uh, whether it's on the phone or, or even email or, or face-to-face, obviously. Um, I mean, self-doubt, it's always there for artists, you know, for all of us, I guess. But um, it's just about starting, I think, you know, just really making a start and putting pen to paper. Like yeah. um, even starting a studio painting, I can be fairly daunt you know it's daunting for some reason i don't know why but uh, it really only takes you know like a few hours on it and then it starts to flow and it feels awesome and then you know you're feeling good about it and you know it's all, all always about layering too i feel like you can't really make a mistake you could just you can always go over it or improve on it you know yeah. as long as you're sort of mark making you've made a start and i think that's uh that's the best thing like a fresh sheet of white paper is always daunting so just making a start, I think. Um, there's other techniques too. You know, you can always uh, pull things up online and, and really have a look. Or sometimes it's even just dropping it and going outside and, and going for a surf or a skate or going for a walk outside, whatever, you know, just to sort of get some fresh air and then revisit with fresh eyes. I think that's um, that's really important as well. So, yeah. yeah, there's always, I guess, challenging briefs and it's just about trying to trying to tackle them, you know, as best you can. The next thing I want to discuss is relating directly to actually some Curtin students at the moment who are studying art. And they're really, really eager to hear some advice from you and other fine artists about various things within the industry. What are two pieces of advice you would give motivated, talented, aspiring artists about the industry today? Well, if you really want an art career, then I think just don't give up. I mean, it's competitive, but it's about finding your own style and, and your own truth. Um, yeah. It might mean you should also be patient. I mean, well, for me, you know, doing design and advertising for a while, you know, perhaps I almost did it a little bit too long. I wish I'd done a bit more art straight away, straight out of uni. You know, I went and did sort of the agency thing for a little while and yeah. then revisited art later. But all those skills really helped me. And I think I use, still use a lot of design principles and layout concepts and stuff today, um, you know, and those things like interpreting briefs and that kind of stuff. I guess really having a rounded skill set is, is handy because I think it helps you in, in the art world because it helps to sell or maybe create your own show or, you know, things like that that can really, really help. And, and just doing stuff too, you know, like writing a good email, making a phone call happen and, and just common sense and initiative. It sort of sounds uh, a bit dadgy, you know, but it's true. It's just, it's just those common sense things. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some other advice that I learned. You're, you're touching on King Brown before and how we got to see a lot of articles come in from, from different artists. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, sort of our heroes or our, our peers at the time. And I remember someone once said that when you start painting, this was part of one of the interviews we did, when you start painting, you should give away your first 100 artworks. And um, I think this was, um, yeah, it was one of the interviews from maybe uh, issue four or five. But, yeah, I, I just really kind of thought that was an interesting 
uh, thing to say. Like, yeah. I guess giving away your first hundred paintings means that you should strive to practice a style, and and it takes time to get to a certain level that you can, you know, be happy and and start feeling more legit about. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm not suggesting doing stuff for free, but sometimes the exposure or talk that you do about an artwork, you know, you that might outweigh any payment. And I guess, you know, it can really help. I mean, I remember the first mural I painted was for free and that was sort of the first proper attempt that I had. I just asked the owner of a wall and then went and hired a boom lift and, and smashed it out. But yeah. it, it felt good. It was sort of on my own terms and you can learn a lot from doing things like that too, you know. So I guess that would that would be kind of an interesting bit of advice as well, you know, and, and something that I've certainly learned. Yeah. Um, there's actually one one more extra thing that I also heard sort of recently and it, it's not, nothing new but it reminded me again was you should always try and utilize the resources you have nearby and yep. to me that was interesting because I guess a lot of people think about uh, going abroad or striving to achieve things you know further away and it might just not quite be as possible you know whereas something that's right at your fingertips like it might be a mate or a filmmaker you know or a carpenter or a printer or whatever and you know, using those sort of people that you really know and, and hanging out with them and, and enjoying their time and what skills they have to offer. It's kind of like using your local resources and I think yeah. that can go a long way as well. So another thing which heaps and heaps of university students and people who are really starting out are interested and want to know is how do you go about pricing or valuing your time for clients when you're giving them a quote? Um, yeah, sometimes it's uh, per hour and sometimes it's per project. I guess I, I haven't quite nailed this one. Yeah, for, for me, it's, um, again, coming from, you know, design and advertising, I've always learned to value, uh, I guess, a per hour rate, you know, yeah. and um, that, that kind of usual thing of, all right, well, if it takes a couple of hours, then what's your hourly rate? And then there you go, bang, you, you sort of nailed it. I think breaking down a quote is handy if you, if you have to um, pitch to someone in terms of a cost estimate because, you know, then they can really see where, where your time's coming from. And that means including everything. It could be, uh, you know, travel and accommodation or materials and all that breakdown, I think, really gets, it almost educates the client as well. Yeah. They get to yeah. understand, like, basically the end result is not just, oh, yeah, that'll be a thousand bucks. So where did that come from? It's, okay, yeah, it's broken down. There's a couple hundred bucks on travel or there's this on, you know, materials or whatever it may be. So I think that's important. And to get those figures, perhaps sometimes if it's an artist fee, you do come down to thinking ahead, okay, well, that'll probably be, you know, that's probably half a week's work. Okay, add all that up. What's, uh, you know, what's your hourly rate? Everyone's different, of course, for their rate. And then, you know, calculate it from there. Um, and then the, the other way to do sort of a bulk amount for, say, a mural or a project or even an artist fee chunk that you need to sort of calculate is to perhaps think about the job and what it's worth to you how busy you are at the time or just anything like that. And, of course, the other added bonus of if it's a really good wall in terms of, say, if it's a mural, yep. is, uh, you know, if it's an awesome wall in a great location and you're basically getting a really good billboard or it's a super fun job at a festival or just something that personally um, gives you more than any money could pay you, then, you know, maybe weigh that up too. And, and never sell yourself short, but it's, it's things like that I always feel are, are worth considering. And if you're starting out, then definitely considering that you know if if, uh, if it is promotion or if it's a, a job that really opens doors to new work or or has great promotion then I think you need to account for that too so yeah. and then every now and again um, it's kind of cheeky but it's a really good thing to do if you're in liaison with a client and you've got the dialogue going is is to say to them what's your budget you know 
Because yeah. sometimes they might surprise you. You were thinking it's a two grand job and you're off their budget and they say, yeah, we've got sort of like five grand here. Bang, there you go. You kind of really get to step into the job and, and put some great great time and, uh, <clears throat> and effort into it. So, yeah, yeah you never know. There's, that's sort of another um, thing you can do. And, and sometimes they may not have a budget for you. And I would just say, well, we're not sure. We need to hear it from you. And then, well, that's fair enough. You, you've asked the question. You just never know. Yeah. I feel like what you said earlier about breaking down a quote for a client, that's really, really crucial, I feel, because there's actually an um, interesting document which I actually downloaded a while back, and it was it was something along the lines of what the clients think they're paying for when they get you to work for them versus what they are actually paying for. And um, and yeah, if, yeah. if you were to actually write out all the things, like the cost of like, you know, whether it's camera equipment or canvases, paintbrushes, everything, it all adds up and, and it's something which clients don't really think about so if you're able to break that down and actually show them all the tiny little things that's going into this which maybe they don't think about it'll actually really help them get a better understanding about yeah what what the job's actually worth and what you should be getting as an artist yeah definitely and um i mean at the time you know you may be doing that sort of that chunk of admin one morning or, or one night to sort of do this quote and break it down you're like oh jesus is this even worth it but i mean once you've got that template drawn up it really becomes a precedent for another job anyway so it's worth doing that breakdown and then when you've got a new quote to do, you can you know, sort of refer to that other quote you did, make sure you include all those things, think about anything else you've got. It's, it's all, it definitely is, like you say, it's all those little things and sometimes it may even be the stuff that you would almost do for free, like the travel or whatever, but you, know, you need to account for that. It's, it's all about time. And um, uh, again, something else I've learned is, is the job worth it in terms of you've got to weigh up. Like I could either be doing this job for the client um, or if it's not worth it or I'm not getting paid enough, I could be doing my own work, my own self-promo, yeah. which goes towards better jobs, you know, because that's also your time too. Yeah, exactly. I understand you've got a young kid as well. How does the distraction or the splitting of your time in your life affect your art? How do you get around making everything work? Yeah, it's just um, trying to get better at managing that. You know, it is all time really. Uh, you know, quoting well so that you can allow for that time, as we said. But then, uh, yeah, I've actually got two kids, uh, two daughters. Okay, yeah. Um, they're both young, so, you know, they take up time. And as infants, you know, it's it's pretty hardcore. You know, you really, they need a lot of time and, and nurturing. And, and now they're a bit older. They're like six and two, almost three, one of them. Yep. It's, uh, it's actually really cool because, you know, now they're talking and drawing themselves and doing creative things. And it, it just feels easier to sort of hang out with them and, they're really an inspiration as well for my work. You know, I love drawing and painting with them. And, you know, they're still only young, but, you know, maybe one day they can uh, actually be super assistants for me. That's, yeah. That's the aim. But, have, uh, they, have, <laughs> they, have they gotten your skills through the genetics with the drawing or what? Uh, who knows? It's still early, but um, uh, it's super fun. And being girls, they've, they've got great concentration. Once they start coloring in or, or drawing, they really get into it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no pressure, only if they want to. But it would yeah. be super cool to sort of hang out and paint together as we grow up. Um, Guess we'll see what happens. And doing things like, um, you know, actually scheduling family holidays and things like that, just, just the usual kind of life skills that everyone should have in terms of putting time aside, really. It's quality time too, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I've got a home studio, so I'm always here, but then, you know, sometimes you're not actually there for your kids. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it in a minute. And even though you're there, you're not really doing the quality time thing. So I guess yeah. it's sort of training myself to, to get better at that as well and be more dedicated, sort of do one one or the other properly, you know, not half-half. Yeah. So mm. now I'd like to discuss with you 
advice you may have received from friends within the industry or family or whatever it be. Tell me about the best piece of advice you've ever received. Well, I was kind of saying before about those things. I just really, um, it really stuck to me, the, the first 100 artworks and about developing your style. And then more recently, just about using your, your local resources, you know, things like that. And yep. the other one we kind of um, touched on was about quoting, about basically coming to a figure that's, that's perhaps not so rounded and, and saying, this is how I got it, you know, and really allowing for everything so that you can weigh up whether it's worth doing that job or, or really just doing your own thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess it's all those things together. And in general, there's probably always other things that even aren't art-related that you learn from people, you know, just just things like staying true to yourself and, um, you know, I guess taking taking the piss sometimes and, you know, not getting so serious and it ends up working for you somehow, you know. Yeah. Like even tackling art late at night if you're stuck on something and just, just going for it. There's all sorts of stuff, I suppose. It's just, just doing it, just getting out there. Um, it'll always make you feel better in the long run, you know, just to yeah. actually start something and, and get it done. So... Yeah, yeah, I guess I sort of... A combination uh, of the things. We were discussing them before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, for, for me, a big key is, is travel as well in terms of uh, refreshing the mind. And that's, you know, whether it's just um, somewhere locally down the coast or in the forest yeah. or somewhere more, you know, more of a cultural difference where you go overseas, you know, up into Asia or, or, or wherever it may be. And I think that's always a, a big kind of refresher on your mind. You don't get so sort of stayed in, in your little bubble. And then you come back refreshed or, you know, you may even be able to do some work overseas and, um, you know, chat to other cultures and, and really experience the whole world, you know, as a whole yeah. sort of approach. I think that's really important. So everyone makes mistakes. It's just the way things go. But can you, off the top of your head, remember a time when you've really made a mistake that maybe you shouldn't have, which you've learned a lot from looking back? Yeah, I do remember a mistake. It wasn't really that dramatic but it was just uh you know one of the first kind of big design agencies i worked at and i i set something up upside down and you know the stuff got printed and the art director was like what's going on here and yeah. you know just kind of like being a kid or something I was, I was super young and pretty green straight out of uni and 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 those sort of mistakes i think i guess well i mean they must happen you know to every sort of intern or yeah. or young designer or anyone in any job you know cutting something wrong if you're on site or, or whatever for whatever uh, industry you may be in and i guess as long as you learn from that mistake, you know, like I wasn't going to go doing that again. And in fact, later down the track, I had sort of a junior um, working under me and, and I just said to him, you've, you've got to print that out and mock it up and, and look at it, you know, you've got to see it in print and make sure that that other side of the pamphlet's not upside down, you know, and and it worked. It's like kind of like you're not going to do it again, you know, or at least you hope you won't. And I suppose it's those things, making sure you sort of really print something out and have a look at it or if it's... Uh, if it's a piece of art, you know, just do it and sometimes even take a photo of it and look at it again that night on your phone because sometimes that, that can sort of open new new ideas or, or yeah. perhaps spot a little mistake that you didn't see and, and things like that. It's really sort of scoping out your work in more detail and just uh, maybe having that attention to detail, yeah. re-looking at things and proofing. Just trying to not double up on mistakes, I guess, is maybe the, the yeah. biggest thing I've learned from a mistake. <laughs> Yeah. So how important do you think it is to build relationships within the industry and surround yourself with other creatives or artists and maybe a way of doing that's through internships? How important would you say they are today? Yeah, I mean, I, I was blessed. I never actually did an intern as such. I, I kind of went straight into work. But in saying that, I was definitely a junior and, you know, I had to start somewhere. Um, and I think it's super important because it, it may even just be a day on site with someone like uh 
you know, if you want to learn about murals, then you sort of you can just come out and do some fills and really learn some things. Yeah. I think it's super important, especially when you're starting out. I mean, I know you've got all these skills and, and different things to learn at, at school or at uni, but there's nothing like actually being out there, you know, at an agency or in a studio or, or, or on site. It's just, it's so valuable. Yeah. Um, and for me, I guess uh, my stepping stone was, was luckily something like King Brown, where we just started it and, and went from there. And then just by default, almost, we got to meet so many different people um, yeah. and create networks. I guess it really opened my eyes to, to those other artists, either nationally or abroad, and, and to see what they were doing. I guess something else we haven't touched on is perhaps uh, collaborations. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, sometimes a, a job like, it might land in the studio and it's kind of like, is this an opportunity for a collaboration, you know, and I'll get some of the other artists I know or, or, or other crew that really would help the style or, or the, the flow of a mural or an art piece uh, on board. And then from there, working with people, you can really learn more from them, you know, they'll have other sort of skill sets or little techniques and things like that that you can, you know, add to your bag of tricks, really. Yeah. Um, but I think collaborations are really cool too. In a way, a collaboration is kind of like an internship in that you're working with other people. So essentially you're, you're bouncing ideas and you're able yeah. to discuss yeah. techniques and, and learn from that. What were some of the biggest struggles or roadblocks you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Um, probably just life events. Um, that yeah. can happen to anyone. And, and I don't mean major. Sometimes it's even something like moving house or, yeah. or, or getting injured. Um, I broke my leg a few years ago snowboarding and, um, you know, when you not sort of uh, young and bouncing around as much, those kind of little events, you really learn from them. Not not in so much an art sense, but um, obviously just mentally kind of going through it. It's not the break that hurts. It's all that, that journey along the way afterwards. Yeah. And um, realizing that those kinds of things, they kind of remind you that they could just be little roadblocks. Luckily enough for, for my kind of um, industry, I suppose, it was, um, you know, I was couch bound, but not for that long. And, and obviously I could still draw, you know, so... Yep. Definitely blessed in in that sense. So it didn't really hold me back majorly, but it was more just kind of not being able to do a mural for a while, and then even thinking about the the life things of you know hanging with your kids and and that sort of thing. You know that that was put on hold. What would you say the biggest risk you've taken as an artist, and how did it pay off? Yeah, I don't know about risks. Maybe um, maybe I've had a fairly soft landing, and yep. coming through you know advertising and design and and earning an income through. Through, I guess, what is kind of art, you know, art direction and commercial art, and yep. then going into actual more gallery art and, and street sort of public works. Um, to be honest, I think it was quite a smooth transition, so I feel quite lucky for that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, I didn't have to sort of take a big plunge, like come straight out of uh, uni or school and go, right, I'm going to be, uh, you know, a studio artist and, and, and just commit to paintings and then hopefully they sell. You know, for me, it was more, I'll do a painting if I'm quiet or here and there and, and offer them and have mini shows and kind of just, just you know, small steps. Uh, and so that I've been quite lucky for that, I must admit. Um, yeah. I guess fairly well, well cushioned. <laughs> yeah. So I can't say I've had a, hey, had a hard road. I guess really for me it's about working hard. You know, so if I've got a project on and um, maybe one of the, the bonuses working from home, I'd just be like, right, kids, it's bed. I'm going in the studio and, and I'll work for the night, you know, and just really, um, really put in the hard yards to, to get something done, you know. Right, instead of sitting in there watching reality TV, you know, you, you're yeah. in there creating and you're, you're working hard and sometimes it takes 
takes a, a little bit of a toll, but it's really worth it. That's what you strive for. And once you start a project, you want to keep it rolling and you want to achieve and, and finish it and, and hopefully succeed, I guess. You know, that's the yeah. aim is yeah, exactly. to get that fulfillment out of taking a project from start to finish. Who would be your dream client? Mm, someone with um, coin that doesn't matter. So, you know, you basically can go all out on ideas and be able to execute them with, you know, whatever budget. I guess yeah. that's a good start. But in saying that, um, it wouldn't even necessarily mean payment or budget in a monetary sense. It would just mean having the opportunities to do anything. Yeah. And that might just be, you know, building massive installations or having unlimited travel to go around and collaborate with people, you know, things like that. I guess it's, it's those kind of clients. Um, and maybe they're not even clients, you know. At the end of the day, maybe it's about doing it myself in terms of really building up funding or, or opportunities and networks. Um, I definitely have an aim in the next couple of years to, to go abroad more and, you know, check out newer cultures and, and do collaborations, um, you know, nationally or internationally. Yeah. Um, I think that that's kind of a dream for me at, at the moment. And maybe it's just because, uh, you know, living down in Dunsborough, it's so awesome in the southwest. It's, it's really beautiful and got great coastline and, and all that. But at the same time, you kind of need to go away to come back to appreciate it. So I yeah. feel like it's almost a little, a little aim, a little dream. So mm. it's the time to sort of go away for a bit and, and come back and really, really enjoy that again. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's, it's not quite a client, but it's certainly a dream. Look, before we wrap things up today, I'd just like to let the listeners know, as always, that you can find information on everything me and Ian have discussed today over at the website pitchedindustries.com. But are there any places you'd like the audience to go to find out more about you, your work, and what you've got planned for the future? Yeah, no, I mean, check out the podcast for sure. Thanks for listening. I guess uh, my website, ianmutch.com, it's M-U-T-C-H.com, and yep. Uh, Instagram at Ian Much. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit active on there and certainly the website shows a bit, although I should probably update it more. But really, there's there's other things coming up. So, you know, kind of watch your space. I've got a couple of exhibitions lined up for early next year and, and uh, some of those other travels and, and collaborations. There's a couple of other exciting things coming up. Uh, I've got a kid's book released in October, so looking forward to that. That's oh, been awesome. a, um, What's that going to be a, called? A, a project. It's called More and More and More. Um, cool. And it's kind of about... Um, I guess consumerism, but for a kid's level, it's you know it's a fun story about this guy, Henry Harper. He hurdles through space collecting things, and then as the book unfolds, it's kind of like what happens when when more and more becomes too much. So it's oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's a fun story, and it's been a good learning curve for me too, doing the um, the writing and the illustrating, and not many words, but just really delving into the the world of uh, storybooks and and children's illustration. It's been super fun. Yeah, no, it sounds like a beautiful concept. Uh, cheers, man. For now, I'd like to just leave it there, but I'd just like to say thanks so much, Ian, for coming on the show and giving so much value with your answers. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners out there who really appreciate it. Uh, cheers. Thanks so much. So that's just about it for today, guys. I hope you were able to take something away from today's conversation with Ian, or maybe it's answered a question or two you might have had about the industry. Next thing, I'd just like to say big thank you to everyone who's been contacting me regarding the podcast or who has taken the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please go ahead and do it. I'd really, really appreciate the support. Anyway, guys, I'm looking forward to chatting with you next week, and I'm excited to say there's a heap of guests coming up in the next few weeks, which I'm sure you guys are going to get a lot of value out of. Until then, cheers.